the Slash Report. I'm Prue, and I'm joined, as ever, by my partner in crime, MK. Hello. Yo. This week, we have two very special guests uh, for a very special reason. Marilyn, Kate, 20-something, how are you guys doing? We're good. I'm just hanging in there. This is yes. experience. We're fucking magical. Yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be some wizard shit happening this week because the topic I know I'm so fucking smooth I'm like x-lax up in this the topic of this week's slash report episode is the mystery magic and obsession of that noise you guys just heard was uh 20-something to uh send me a message that is unrepeatable on this podcast, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Good job, Kate. The actual just topic of this episode. This actual topic of this episode is Harry Potter. And the reason that we had to have Mare and Kate on this episode is something they're going to tell you in detail on their own. Um, because as much as MK and I know and have loved and lost Harry Potter in our lives, our relationship with it is not really on the level as you two. No, you guys are like amateur hour. <laughs> yeah, so why don't you guys, like, we're still amateur status. You guys are like full bore pro. Why don't you take us through this, kick us off on this, like, terrible fucking shit show? Um, I mean, I don't really know where to begin. I will say that I started reading the books... Um, I think when the third one was out and then I went to the midnight release for the fourth one and all the other midnight releases, because, you know, once you start, you can't stop. Um, and then I got really into the fandom and it was actually one of my first really big fanish experiences, um, back in the FF.net days when I was in high school, um, in this sort of weird golden halcyon era between when, book four Goblet of Fire had been released and in the long gap between that and between when Order of the Phoenix was released. And, uh, so, and it, it was just a very, very special, awesome time. And it was like a huge fandom. It's like impossible to describe really kind of how big that fandom was. Um, because and there were so many characters and so many rare pairings and so many like different kind of enclaves and like the het people and the slashers. And this is also at an early stage in my life when I probably self-identified as a slasher, which, like, you know, currently would want to, like, punch past me in the face, but, it, you know, too late now. And, um, <laughs> I'm really excited because I remember what I'm going to wreck. Okay, I'm good. Good, good. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So, like, it, it, was, it was a really, really seminal fanish experience for me. It was sort of, like, my first really big, like, I kind of started out um, in sort of some other smaller things and, like, Lord of the Rings a little bit, and then I kind of just jumped into Harry Potter, and, like, I was in here for a really long time, and I think the reason why is because once you started, like, read all the fic for a pairing and done pretty much, found everything that was interesting about it, you could, like, take a step to the left and read all the fic for another pairing and then keep going for, like forever and you could be in that fandom with someone you would never bump into them it was like the hugest city in the world basically um and it, it was really great it's sort of like a sort of baby fanish experience it was it was really lovely and i actually will say like interestingly i did also start that that was when i was also in yahoo groups um, yeah uh, that's when i was yeah there. So I had, I had like, I had a couple different Yahoo group subscriptions based on different pairings that I was into. Um, so, you know, and that was actually the only time I ever really seriously wrote and finished anything was back in Harry Potter fandom and, you know, never again. <laughs> just a, a good time. Just um, I think your point is really valid though, because I think all 
of us were contemporaries in Harry Potter fandom, and, like, none of us crossed paths at all no, or no, read each other's no. stuff. Absolutely yeah. not. Um, yeah, I was really into, like, Percy Oliver was kind of, like, my weird thing, because, you know, why not? And um, I will say, like, my taste, my taste in terms of that particular pairing, that, like, they are never actually in, like, they don't spend any, have any canon interaction, but yet, like, I love it, and then there will be, like, 50 million stories about them. Like, that is still, like, one of my favorite things ever. And, like, that was apparently started, like over 10 years ago <laughs> in my Harry so Potter. So actually, race. your Clint Coulson thing is based yeah, on the than yeah. your previous. Yeah, no, I've, I've been I've been riding that particular train for a very long time, so. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I think, like, it, it, it's interesting because I feel like as much as obviously they were, like, culturally and, like, mainstream popular, it's kind of difficult to describe how, like, at least at the time, if you were in fandom, how completely, like, I don't know, fanishly, like, it was, like, the fandom, and there were so many different people in it, and, like, there were so many, like, sort of, like, also classic fandom wanks that I think have also come from Harry Potter fandom that, um, I don't know, are just sort of weirdly, like, a very integral part of fanish history, and I will say a lot of them actually also happened on more, like, the head side of things, so I was, at the time, not really aware of any of it, because I was just sort of, like, dudes, who cares about ladies, whatever. Well, the um, thing was is that it was so universal, like literally everybody you knew had read Harry Potter that yeah. sort of it was a very natural jumping off point, I think, as a lot of people's first fandom because it was very easy to go from like, oh, we're sitting around talking about what we think is going to happen to the next book to being like, oh, well, we think it should be this and kind of going on. And then like the next thing you know, you've written like 14 pages out in a jelly pen and you're like, oh, yeah, my my friends my friends co-wrote me and four of my friends co-wrote a fic in that fandom where literally we had like passed it along and like printed it out and like you know brought it to school <laughs> yeah and, and it, you know it's, it's, it's a common point of reference like as as Kate says everybody knew Harry Potter so and I think I think what's actually still like is kind of enduring about it in is that every single fandom still has a Harry Potter fusion. Yeah. Um, even today, even though like it's kind of it's not really the same level of like relevancy um, as it used to be, but it like the sort of the wonderful world that J.K. Rowling created, um, I think was always kind of like this very magical playground that like you know everyone still wants to play in to a certain extent. So well, I definitely think it's become sort of like a weird personality indicator almost for people. So like, oh, you you would sort these characters this way. I would also sort these characters this way. We are in agreement. <laughs> Clearly, you know, like. We are in collusion. Yeah. But, um, sometimes people are wrong. Sometimes people are very wrong. Oh, my God. Like, sometimes you're like, you're monstrously wrong. Did we read the same books? <laughs> Interesting. And it was, I think it was also one of those fandoms that led to a lot of odd favorites, so to speak, and a lot of over-identification in a lot of places, and a lot of kind of like... <laughs> this, is a, this is a good group of people to talk about odd favorites and over-identification. Continue. Yeah. Uh, I, I will also say, like, Snape, I feel like, could probably have his own fucking hour of Slash Report in terms of what that character was, what fandom sort of thought that he was, and, like, Snape wives who wanted to marry him on the Straight actual plane. plane. <laughs> uh, such good times. All those girls they, who had just recovered from the carpal tunnel furiously wanking over him, like, fell right of key again. It's it's a brutal cycle. No, no, he, he, there's a type. There's a lot of things where you can just sort of, like, connect the dots to things that are still around when you're like, yep, fandom has been doing this for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> moment at the end of like the movie where you're like oh my god so green is people like oh my god all the loki fans are snape fans like that's not 
situation. But you see what I mean? Like, it's kind of like a lot of the same behaviors go from fandom to fandom. And in some ways that includes the kind of wanky behaviors. Although it's interesting because I don't think like some of those grand scale fandom wanks are really hard to kind of conceive of in this era. They, they don't really make that much sense. I think like, like yeah. MS Scribe, like that one was a beauty. That one's my favorite personally, which uh, if you go to like fan lore or wherever and you just MS Scribe all one word, look that up. It's an entertaining like three hours of your life. Um, three you know, hours? and also Cassandra Clare, blah, 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 enough said. Yeah. Which if you don't know what that is, I, I don't know. We're, like, we're not going to get split on we're this podcast because like, <laughs> I love myself too much. Yeah. Um, and also, honestly, it would just take too long. It would take too long, and it would sort of, it, you could have a whole, probably, you could have a whole, like, a Snape episode, a Harry Potter <laughs> Snape episode, a Harry Potter Wank episode, a Harry Potter, like, book five episode, um, all, you know, because it is, it is a very massive topic. Um, but yeah, it's something that was definitely, like, very financially important to me, and, um, and when I went to college, uh, one of the, I guess, early foundations of mine and Kate's friendship was the fact that (laughs) I was actually on this is like a really uh odd story um I had a sorority coffee date with someone when I was initially like pledging my sorority where you basically just go meet up with one of your prospective sisters and they like you know you do a small little activity and they pay for it because at that point you know they're trying to get you to come in and it's you know it it, it's like the um, the summer associate of being a lost working for a law firm, <laughs> basically, um, where everything seems magical and like you don't have to pay for anything and there's just you know adorable. You really excited to have like adventures with you. Yes. Um. So and I I had never met this, this girl before in my life and uh, she and I had her like coffee date. We somehow started talking about Harry Potter and it both it came out very very soon that she and I were sort of at a, a similar level of like obsessive crazy about it. Um, where I think that there was a sort of a little bit of dancing around the subject of like, well, I mean, I like Harry Potter, but how much do you like Harry Potter? <laughs> Are we on the same page? And like we the were. On the sand kind of moment where you're like, yeah. okay. And, and we were, and we basically went on to found a Harry Potter club at my college where we, um, did sorting. We sent out, um, like Hogwarts letters with actual wax seals on them. I, I burned myself a lot doing that. It was a lot of fun. And, um, we sorted people and we had meetings and like house points and we played Quidditch, um, and had like a little other activities that we did. And, um, actually a really funny student teacher, uh, Quidditch game where the teachers, uh, managed to kick our asses, which was just like, I'm still baffled. Quidditch doesn't like cover how badly kicked your asses yeah no like we got we got we got creamed by a bunch of like old college professors who had never played before and we had actually like tried to practice and then just like kicked our butts um and and like and that's not even like really the most embarrassing part of that story yeah it's because you know when you're when you and we yeah i don't know whatever but um sorry no, really what is the most embarrassing part of that story no i just feel like if you think about it running around on like a college quad um <laughs> playing Quidditch with a bunch of professors. I don't know. It's like, it has a certain mental image to it. And, <laughs> but it, it was just like nerdy and awesome and fun. And, um, good times. I, and Kate was a Gryffindor and I was a Slytherin and, uh, you know, somehow we managed to be friends. Anyway. Somewhere in my room is still like my club t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, I think I, you know, I think I could, I that that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know anyway, funny? that's like, probably not really interesting at all to anyone who's not me or Kate. But um, this is like one of those another one of those like 
you find out more about our tragic backs. Like tragic backs for unlocked. You've listened through this long of the podcast, and right. if you made it through the friendship one. You can make it through this. Yeah, now, you know, keeping my sorority in a Harry Potter club is pretty in college is pretty much like well, once you experience that with another human, you're kind of bonded for life in a terrible way. Uh, <laughs> it's like the alpha and omega of our friendship. Yeah, but actually, I feel like that club is, as far as I know, is still going on. And um, at one point, it had like the highest like club membership levels of like any other random extracurricular like oh, sure non-academic kind of sorted right. Because I feel like, and we should talk about this, because there is something very, like, I don't know, like, important personality tests, like, who you are and how you think of yourself in terms of your self-identification of your Hogwarts house. That is true, because, I mean, I, I definitely, we made the test pretty transparent, as I recall, right, so right. that because, like, look, you, you wanted to do what the you wanted. Yeah, you've already thought about this. You know where you are. So you're just going to answer these questions and, like, go where you want to go. And we have no interest in, like, you know, ruining that good time for you. So, here. Um, uh, but a lot of them, like, I mean, Mary and I had a discussion the other day about how some, like, test sorted her wrong. We were like, those bitches. No, Pottermore, Pottermore thinks I'm a Gryffindor. And there's some, like, weird shame in that because that seems, like, more official than any other house sorting that you could do on, like, any other internet quiz. But that's, like, that's so wrong. Like, I'm not even, like, I'm not even balls deep in this the way you guys are, but, like, I can see how wrong that is as a house affiliation for you from, like, eight miles away. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, who are you kidding? Like, none of this is what I want. Absolutely wrong. Like, Like, any of the other ones. Like, a gray zone, and you could be, like, a Ravenclaw. But, like, let's be real here. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes people think I'm nice. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> those people know you? But oh, no, here's the thing. I feel like I, I, at a certain level in which I didn't give you the to be a good person. And if you actually are like, wait a minute, you're a jerk. I'm like, thank you. Yes. <laughs> now I'm you can be friends. I understand. Like, obviously, I'm, Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, um, yeah, but so, yeah, I would definitely say that I self-identify as a Slytherin. I would say if you were going to, like, go halvesies, I'd be kind of a good Slitherpuff because I'm a fundamentally confused individual. Um, yeah, but, you know. And I, yeah, right. I, I like it like an onion. And um, but that's, that's kind of like also an important part of like, like the Harry Potter affiliation is, you know, this sort of house thing. And also your feelings about how like J.K. Rowling treated the particular houses and privileging Gryffindor and whatever and being bitter about it is, you know. Well, and I think for a lot of people, it was like the first time they really critically consumed something. And especially as they aged, at first you take like so many things in the books at face value before you really learn to interpret things on your own and come to different conclusions than different other people. And so I think it was like a really big growing experience and the books kind of, it helped with the books grew in complexity as you did, whether or not you agreed with what happened in them um yeah I think um it, it is interesting I feel like you can definitely say like the first three I think at least for me stand in their own kind of separate category of being like uh you know boarding school British fantasy series and um and then the fourth one is this interesting sort of I don't know in middle like transition kind of book that has a epic scale to it than the previous ones and a different tone especially like 
the first person who died in Harry Potter, obviously, you know, Cedric, and um, sort of ushering in the last three books of the series, which I will definitely say are not my favorites at all. Um, <laughs> I think what that is because... And that's like, that's like a very mild way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of people had a kind of, I don't know if I would call this an issue, but the interesting thing was is because I feel like so many people kind of caught up with it around book three... Yes. That the long way for book four and the long way for book five, especially like five yeah. and six, that led to a lot of really interesting, like people writing completely alternate paths. And a lot of the time, I'll be honest, sometimes I'm like, did that really happen? Or did I read a fanfic about that? Like, there are huge chunks of the Harry Potter canon where I'm just a little confused because I think that's what happened, but I couldn't guarantee it. Yeah, well, I will also say that. I wanted to reread some of the later books. Unlike yeah, the earlier yeah. books, which I read again and again, and then I read a lot of fan fiction that was arguably better. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't be like if I read it now, but like at the time, like was more fulfilling for me than the actual books. Yeah, well, because I definitely think like the fandom certainly started blowing up between three and four, and it definitely just kind of exploded between four and five. And you still had you had people like extrapolating things and doing all their general finish work and building things and worlds and like their thoughts about characters and like relationships and like where things were going and like the war and like where is this all headed um and then by the time the fifth one came out it was definitely started being like wait a minute no this is not what we wanted and uh i wanted this is the opposite of what we thought was going to happen and it's sort of like this very massive like odd kind of jostling where because it was such a you know 500 or 600 pages that you got every like couple of years to like fuck with everything you wanted it, it, it was it's different than like watching a television show and like being like oh i got man this thing got like fucked over by canon but like i don't know it was it's a different kind of you know flow to that so it was definitely maybe a little more disappointing i definitely and also i think like what you were saying about not really remembering what happened i will say that since i read the last three like i went to the midnight release i got my book and I stayed up all night and I read it until it was done. And like, they're they're pretty big books, especially if she went on and like nobody fucking wanted to edit her. Um, so by the end of those books, I was definitely like sleep deprived as fuck, bleary, probably emotionally traumatized in some way. So upset, so like sleep deprived, and then I would sort of like pass out in a tiny little like rage coma and like then like forget half of it. And like and that was my experience of consuming the last three books in that series. And I'm like, I don't think you can really call that like a positive experience because you had to know what happened, but then it was just like, I don't know. Well, and like additionally, like you kind of like you had to you almost had to like protect yourself because you became so emotionally invested in some of these characters and then they croaked it. And you're like, you don't understand. I just spent two years reading, writing, whatever about this character and, like, thinking about all these different ways that it could happen. And then now, all of a sudden, you fridged them in the first, like, 20 pages. (laughs) Yeah, can I I also tell you, this is, like, a great story. I might have said this once on, like, the Dead People episode of Slash Report, but, um... Me being the kind of person that I was, I kind of, like, got bored of my current haunts, and I was like, you know what? I need some new Harry Potter, like characters to like and pairings to read and I'm never really like serious because Remus Sirius was the kind of thing that everyone was reading and I am a contrary horrible person so I wasn't really here for him and then I was like you know what I'm bored I'm gonna give this dude a shot I'm gonna start reading a bunch of serious fic and like read him with like every like random like major pairing that he was in except for like serious Harry because the cross-generational shit was not really my bag 
Um, and was like, oh my God, he's kind of great. And like, was like, no, he's really awesome. I love him. And this was literally like three months before Order of the Phoenix came out. And I was like, come on. <laughs> Are you kidding me? She was like, the absolute, you're like, I just got rid of my flood insurance. <laughs> right. Like, before like. Like Atlantis, Atlantis Morissette, ironic. Like, yeah. are you fucking kidding me? Um, yeah. So, but I think like, in a, and I was even though I was like late to that party, I was definitely very invested in that character. And um, I don't know, like, and, and oddly, I will say that like Sirius dying is obviously sort of like a very watershed moment for a lot of people in terms of their relationship with the canon of Harry Potter. Um, that's yes, probably yes, an understatement. Was. Uh, I know Prue has had a lot of thoughts about it when that happened to her. And um, i.e., if you guys don't already know this, I believe she threw the book across the room and said never again and then never read the rest of them because she was so enraged by it. And uh, and I, I think that uh, I think even from like a literary perspective, um, his dying was definitely like, I don't know, like the, the end of the party. And it's weird because I feel like fandom has a lot more like fix it energy now than it did back then. You know what I mean? Like look at Coulson dying in the Avengers. Fandom was just sort of like, lol, nope. Um, <laughs> he's just not like, dead. Personally, we all agreed that that didn't happen. Yeah. Like yeah, I'm not really going to take you seriously, but I feel like back then, like JK Rowling's word was sort of like gospel. And like, even though fandom kind of vaguely tried to like not have him be dead, just it never really kind of like got off the ground and you're like nope he's definitely dead and I, I like I still wish there were like a lot of like I was expecting all of like the series isn't really dead fake that came out of that book after that book and it just never really happened and I think that's sort of interesting and I don't really 100% know why I mean, well, it was definitely a different time I have a theory because <laughs> yeah. I was, I was thinking about this as I was growing my ulcer that you know started when Sirius died in book five and has just been eating away at the soul and goodness of me ever since um but as I was prepping for this episode I was kind of like mulling over because I was like my major contribution to this is going to be my standard like fuck that bitch like how could she kill him I hate her forever wow whatever and I was like what but the same question came to me right like um why was there no effort at fix it thing? Now it doesn't it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist or that people didn't write really compelling, interesting treatments of the canon afterward. Um, but I'll be frank, I didn't read a lot of it because I like I seriously broke up with this fandom so hard after that point. Like I abandoned it on levels yeah like like throw his guitar (laughs) and like his favorite t-shirt out onto the front lawn and set that fucking shit on fire after calling his friends to come over and watch me burn it down levels of breaking up with the fandom right not that i would actually do that or admit to it on a podcast but like I was, as I was mulling over this, it kind of comes down to, I feel like his death, the reason it was so infuriating is the same reason there's not much of um, a fanish attempt to resuscitate him because it was such like a blip. His death was such a blip. It just came out of nowhere. It happened in three paragraphs. Like the response to it emotionally from what I remember of that book was not appropriate to like the weight that he had been given leading up to his death. Like it was pretty much like, Oh, he died. Here's like seven other terrible things that are going to happen within the space of the next four paragraphs. Right. It goes back to the fact that JK Rowling is brilliant as a world builder, but actually not a very good writer. Right. Like in terms of actually carrying out the emotional narrative of 
these people involved, like, I don't give a fuck about the trio. Like, quite frankly speaking, that this has always been, like, this has always been, like, the the point at which, like, I diverge from a lot of Harry Potter fans. Like, I love the world, right? I love, I will read almost any Harry Potter AU, but, like, the actual canon of the series is, like, fairly uninteresting to me. Harry is uninteresting to me. Ron is more interesting. Hermione is very interesting to me, but, like, that's only one leg of this, like, fucking sad stool. And then there was, like, trappings of, like, seven books, only five of which I participated in. So I feel like this is the whole thing where, like, why is book five 8,000 pages? Because no one edited her. Why is book whatever however many pages? Because no one really edited her. And I think that a good editor would have gone in and said, like, look, you built us up. You made this person so important to Harry as, like, a surrogate father figure. You cannot kill him in two paragraphs with a curtain and then just, like, move on and, like, never really build out the emotional fallout of this, right? Like, I recognize it's a YA book. You can't really have, like, the pay into grief that, you know, like, Joan Didion would have, but something <laughs> has to be there. And because it was completely absent, I Harry, feel like... doing the mirror magical thinking. <laughs> yes, I'm Sorry, just saying, anyway. but, like, toward the end of that book, like, because I read them the same way that you did, Mare, like, after the midnight release, I would, like, consume that book. By the end of it, I was, like, furious, right? That, like, Sirius was dead, but, like, it was, it was been such a blip that, like, after I had initially read it in, like, my blur, I had to double back, and I was like, wait, is he fucking dead? Did she kill him with a curtain? Like, it was so, like, yeah, whatever, that I think that's why it didn't get the proper fanish reaction, because, like, the writer did it such a disservice. Well, yeah. I think to a certain extent, it was kind of like, the per- it's like, it's like, there was so much set up around this in a kind of a way, like, I think mentally and emotionally for a lot of people, that it was, like, literally somebody flipped a table in your house. <laughs> and you kind of, like, have to stare at it for a while and be like, I don't know what the fuck to do with that now. Like, it's everywhere. And so, like, kind of, like, that like rip, that ripples out in such a way that, like, it's a huge undertaking to try... I mean, like, even if you were, like, and then he appeared on the other side of the curtain and everything was fine. Like, even if you try to do that, like, it's kind of just like it was like a weirdly shattering event where you're like I really don't know where to pick up with this I mean I'm gonna say that I I agree that like reading that it definitely does not it's not clear that he's even gone 100% because it's a very big like action battle scene yeah a lot of like shit flying around and like yeah and and, like you don't you don't really realize that like you think he's just like falling behind like a weird curtain in like this weird like department of mysteries thing and you're like well uh you're like wait a minute no 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 you're not dead is he coming back he's coming back right wait he's not coming back oh he's dead but like that happened like 10 pages ago and i'm just sort of making like 100 percent certain that that happened now because there was this weird lag when i wasn't 100 percent sure what you were doing um and I, i think that definitely like does speak to J.K. Rowling's, like, weakness in terms of writing action in particular, in my opinion. Um, But what I will say is I'm not 100% sure, though, um, in terms of... I I could see her as an author maybe not necessarily being as plugged into the way that fandom kind of loved Sirius so much and how much, like, Remus and Sirius together were, like, also... And as much as, like, Sirius is, like, Harry's father figure and Remus Sirius is, like, a lot of, like, baby's first slash ship kind of thing. Like, the way that fandom, like, really loved him so much, like, maybe made him take on a certain level of importance in, like, the fanish perspective that she never really, like 
intended for him to have in the actual canon of the books. And I could see there being a dad's escape fic where everyone was like, he does two dads. Right. Like the the AU where Sirius takes Harry and like he gets raised in a household, which would be lovely. Um, But like, I I also feel like maybe because it also with all that sort of like lag between the books that like maybe one of the things that happened when fandom was like waiting for her to write book five, like maybe he did sort of take on importance in the fantasy that she never really necessarily saw him having in the narrative itself. And I don't, and I, I'm not trying to like excuse it because I, I was literally like depressed for a week after I read that book. Um, But I could, I could see there being some sort of discrepancy between her perspective of his place in that narrative and Fanon's, Fanon's perspective of his place in this world. Also, and, you know, completely fabricating this, but I, I feel like in some of the discussion following the book's release, there, or in the years subsequent, J.K. Rowling has talked about how death itself, like in any form, feels senseless. And that's a lot of what she was trying to capture, at least with Sirius's death. And I remember when I read that or either had a fever dream about it and woke up screaming, right? Like, I remember calling such bullshit because I understand completely what she's talking about, right? Like, death is in every incarnation. Even when you see it coming, it feels senseless. But there's a difference between death being senseless and writing about something in a way that exemplifies the senselessness and the cruelty and in many ways, the the way you can't avoid this type of loss in a fulsome and richly lived life. And, like, whatever fucking garbage dump that she, like, lit a Molotov cocktail on and threw it for this, like, plot point, right? There, Like, if you wanted to really articulate how death is senseless, like, doing it in a shitty way is, like, that is, does not actually get across your point. Like, it just confused us. It was, like, 15 pages later, you're like, wait, is he actually dead? He, he fell through a curtain and died? Why do we even have that curtain in the Department of Mystery? Yeah. So as I said, I think she's terrible at writing action and it kind of falls through the cracks of that. And I will say also, like, in support of what you're saying, um, even though you haven't read them, the way that uh, a lot of people die in the last book is very similar, where her treatment of all of these things, of all these, like, characters that you've come to love, like, a lot of them die kind of off-screen. Um, in the final battle of Hogwarts where where, like Terry comes back after doing shit and then you're like oh by the way there's the dead bodies of you know and I I kind of I'm hesitant to like spoil anybody but like there's Remus and Chomps they both just croaked it and you're like oh okay those are kind of important people another war orphan to have like symbolism with I mean I met like it felt kind of like a Victorian play where, like, all the action has to occur off stage because you can't show yeah. people killed to death. Like, right. No, absolutely. So- I feel like she's, she gets kind of limited by, like, the, the hairy perspective in terms of some of that stuff. But I feel like there's a way she could have done it better where you're not, like, you don't have, Harry doesn't have to actually, cannot probably per- personally witness every person in the universe who died in the battle of, like, Final Battle of Hogwarts. But... But at the same but- time, it should feel more like that brilliant episode of Buffy, like, the Zeppo, like, yes, yes, you, like, if you have, like, the main storyline, you should be able to see both parts of it, like, A and B should, like, still coincide in better ways, like, a lot of the time, it always felt like she had, like, gotten, like, she, like, kind of chugged her way through some scene that she had predestinedly said, like, and this has to be here, and then realized that something else would have had to happen in the meantime, she's like, oh, well, I'd better kill someone. <laughs> and I also think actually the only the only death I feel like that actually sort of like resonates in terms of all of this like emotionally ringing awfulness is um, 
is like Fred and George, and I just have to say them together because whatever. Um, and because that is like legitimately awful and like terrible to witness, and you see what it does to every member of his family, and like it is actually like gut wrenching, at least to me. And also, like I'm a twin, so I have twin feelings attached to this anyway. But like, you know, but but other than that death, I feel like a lot of the other deaths sort of have the same sort of serious feeling of like, oh wait, that happened. Okay, um, I guess I guess those people I liked are not here anymore. Alrighty then, and okay. <laughs> But I, that's like that's a fail that's a failure of that's a failure of emotional connection. So as much as I love the un this goes back to the whole thing where like as much as I love the universe of Harry Potter, like part probably part of the reason that like I never really dug the trio that much is because like there I never ever resonated emotionally with any of them, which is like fucking batshit, right? Because this is like seven books from the primary point of view of like one kid if like you haven't gotten me to like develop like half a feeling about that one kid in the five books that I read like there's something really weird going on here right and mostly I was in those books and I like loved the universe right like I loved the little details I loved everything and I loved being able to read the books and then go inhabit the fandom where someone who is more skilled at weaving an emotional narrative would like use these backbones to build something fantastic with it it's that's why those like that's why those other deaths didn't mean anything right because she didn't have the she didn't have the facilities to like make you actually give a fuck about the deaths. Well, it's like Legos. Like if you give eight people the same set of Legos, like if you follow the instructions for the Legos, you'll get something good. But if you're like willing to step outside, like what kind of like the convention of things would be like, I felt like a lot of things, especially toward the end of the series were kind of like, well, narratively that's what's supposed to happen. But why did that happen? Um, you know, yeah. like a lot of times when you're like, well, yeah, I called that. I'm not happy that I did, but like, I, it was like, it sort of got, I don't know, eventually it, toward the end. And like, this is part of the reason why I haven't reread a lot of the books is because like at the end, it almost felt like everyone was like a caricature version of themselves. Like, well, that's so-and-so, you know, they're going to do the, this thing, like, they're, they have, like, one defining characteristic, and that pushes everything they do. And some people are like that, but most people aren't. And so that would get kind of frustrating for me. It's like a lot of things just started feeling really one-dimensional, and that's, again, where I would go into fandom, where people kind of explored those nuances and tried to figure out, you know, why might they be doing this and give me, like, an alternative reasoning. But... Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I kind of disagree with that. I feel like... Um... I, the movies actually definitely fall prey to that in some ways where a lot of the characters that you did like kind of get flattened out to the screen necessarily. Um, and yes, I am one of those people who's bitter about Ron being just comedic relief um, and whatever <laughs> in the movies. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me, but I think uh, I th what, what really kind of like is turns me off of rereading the last two books and the fifth one also is the tone of it and like Harry is just so angry through a lot of it and it's not like he doesn't have a right to be but with like sort of that strict narrative POV like it's very kind of like it's a grind it's very punishing um and like a lot there's a lot of like the seventh book especially when like there's like the angriest camping trip in the world that the trio goes on Where's and like ever? they're just like everything is tense and fucked up and they're fighting and like 
and it's so stressful and like but it, and it goes on for like hundreds of pages and it's just sort of like this terrible slog of like negative bad feelings and um and I can understand that like she sort of tries to like build up the the epic stakes of this you know battle that she's finally building to in the last you know um climax of book seven but it, it's a bit of a slog it's like <laughs> there's, there's a lot of parts of it it's not that much fun anymore and it's not like there aren't like sort of glints of humor that go through those books because they would be completely unreadable otherwise but like overall like just not really like good times it's more of the rates thing where you're like, oh, good. I, I read that whole section about, like, it's like two towers. You're like, there's the good part, and then there's the I have to part. Like, yes. I'm not reading this because I'd like to be reading this. Yeah. Because I, I know it contains plot information for me to have to know later. Yes, absolutely. It's just Sam and Frodo chugging <laughs> on their way to Mordor. It's miserable. Yeah, but at least there's sort of some sort of, like, emotional, lovely purity between the two of them and their own, like, I don't know, heroism that you can kind of glom onto. And it's not really the kind of book that she was writing, but whatever. No. <laughs> not the same thing. Um, but, yeah, no, it actually, like, I will say, like, yes, the last two books are basically the equivalent of the Two Towers for me, where the only way I was successfully able to make it through the Two Towers was I actually, and I never do this, got an audiobook, and I had to, like, l- listen to it because I had to, like, just sit there and have someone read it to me because I could not keep it in my hands. Is that just wanting to, like, put it down and be like, uh-huh. <laughs> but, I think that makes like, the worst, like, like, the worst child in the world for the uh, last two because... My, I got my mother into Harry Potter, um, and after, you know, the fifth book happened and I had my little fit, she, I, like, still went with her to, like, the midnight book releases, but, like, I refused to read the book. So, she would read them, and, like, she, she read, like, she reads them a lot slower than I do, but, like, she would read them, and she would, like, want to talk about them, and I would feel like, I can't. Mother, I can't. As if it was just, like, she wanted to bring up the subject of my, like, you know, the divorce in progress again, and I just, like, wasn't in the mood to talk about it with her or something like that. And it just, like, for years, she'll occasionally be like, did you read the sixth and seventh book yet? And I was like, no. For a while. That'd be, like, a sign that this isn't through, like, this is a, like, shapeshifter who's taken over her identity. Is like, she'll have finished reading Harry Potter. It's true. So, but I feel like also, like, just canon discussion aside, and, like, the movies, which are their own sort of separate, vaguely related animal, um, as many problems as I have with the book, I actually, like, I had a 100% great time in that fandom. Like, that fandom was great. Like, it was weird, it was huge and sprawling, and there was always something to read, and I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm actually sitting here looking through um, the crack band. Do you guys remember that? limited um live journal community because um just sort of like going through all the things that have been wrecked from harry potter fandom over the years and like there's just so much random stuff where you're like snape hermione which personally i'm like "Eh." um you know gin fix snape um dumbledore's brother sure um let's see snape luna sure why not snape harry (laughs) snape hermione snape and osgool good somebody wrote that too like I don't know, like, it's just sort of, like, anything that was everything that you could ever want and ever think about wanting, somebody has written it, and it's just kind of, I don't know, there's something just sort of lovely about that, where people just took this huge world that she had built and just kind of, I don't know, ran with it. Yeah. Yeah. 
but wow. I feel like that was like the first fandom too where I read things that like scarred me for life. <laughs> oh yeah, you know what we you know what we need to talk so about? Exciting. Here's what I can say. Like for a, a, a book nominally written for children with teenage main characters, the porn in that fandom was real fucked up. <laughs> so weird. So weird. <laughs> real fucked up. <laughs> surrounding their fandom at the time was that while this was happening a lot of the fandom was in addition to being on its own sort of separate like um independent archives there's a lot of it on Mm ff.net and then during the time when it was kind of really blowing up was when ff.net decided that it was going to purge all the nc17 fic off the website so you had things where like i mean i don't know how many like websites i had to lie about my age to but there were a lot (laughs) so many so many and uh and there was one on this website i think called like the restricted section that was basically yep. just, like, all of the nasty porn that was no longer allowed to live on after.net was going to be here once you sort of got access to it you could read all of it and there's something sort of like well no but now it's forbidden so now you want to look at it and then you're like i immediately regret this decision <laughs> <laughs> i made the wrong freak decision i'm sorry okay okay yeah but like some really messed up stuff and like i don't want to like name specific fix or like drop like author's names but like i still remember you i you're still remember you. I know you. <laughs> and you're st- a lot of them are still around and every once in a while i'll be like oh yeah <laughs> you again yeah um, actually like that actually bring up the restricted uh, section brings up an interesting point it's like i feel like this was also the first time a lot of people were kind of forced to make spaces for themselves and this comes back to the yahoo groups thing and this comes back to i think like that push from fanfiction.net um was like interesting because it was like one of the first times i remember certainly like a hosting medium that wasn't live journal and wasn't live journal wasn't even really a thing yeah it was like created live journal to be honest yeah um and so, like, it was, like, interesting to me because I feel like that's, like, the kind of, like, progenitor idea of, like, the need for fandom kind of, like, owned spaces on the internet. Yeah. And I think I think what's interesting is that fandom used to be like that. And they were all kind of very separately run. Like, not necessarily yeah. city. They didn't have a lot of, like, coding robustness. Like, there wasn't a lot you could do there. But, like, um, but they were kind of run and, like, contributed to by fans and FF.net was sort of this very interesting, like, independent website that fandom had kind of, you know, um, been attracted to and used. And then they kind of, you know, screwed us over. And it was, at least for me, one of the very first experiences with me being, like, fandom being screwed over by, like, a website that we've chosen or a site that we've chosen to, you know, use in order to conduct our business. And, um, you know, like, live, you know, like, right, <laughs> delicious, 
live journal many times over the years yeah. we were like why the heck did you do that and they were bought by the russians and like blah 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 like even tumblr whenever tumblr rolls out something that like is ruining everything and like breaks something we all loved like there's a part of me that's just like well yes but, but unfortunately like the, the damn the man saved the empire impulse of like the ex-kit guy and like the pimp yeah of like <laughs> fandom finds a way it's like the right. welcome moment where we're like it's okay like and so i think that in an interesting way because does kind of like push forward fandom evolution when you have something that's this overarching and when you have something that this many people are into it kind of promotes growth on a fandom-wide level yeah, yeah. And I, I think i think also what you're looking at is that with all these different archives and it was very easy to self-segregate and like just only look at what you wanted to look at because they're like, I like this character and this character, and I like these couple pairings, and I can go to these archives and I can read everything that I want. I don't even have to talk to another human. And like, I never have to go beyond my little, like, carefully cultivated garden, and that's it. Even though this fandom is, like, cute. Investigate on their own. Like, you weren't so dependent right. on other people's recommendation. Right. It made it more intuitive and more kind of, like, user-friendly in a way. More approachable. And I will say, like, I definitely, like, remember, like, going on things where I was able to, like, track my ff.net pairings because i normally like read small things i was able to kind of like keep up with those and like just you know be like, like oh what's been posted that's been new since the last time i checked yesterday and like follow that which is bizarre i don't know in a, in a modern context i guess but yeah i don't know it, it, it was interesting times the past is another land <laughs> basically um yeah, I don't know. MK, what are, you've been very silent. What are your what are your Harry Potter anything thoughts? Uh <laughs> good. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I made the mistake of picking up book four first because the other three looked dumb. I was bored. That really underlines a lot of things about you, but continue. Yeah, so I read book four. I was like, like I, I don't understand what's like, happening. Make the right choice. I was like, I don't understand what's happening. I think this is dumb, but I'm at the cottage. There's nothing else. I'll read whatever else is on this table right now. Because my mom was reading them because she was cooler than me. Um, and I was like, oh, I like these. And then the fifth one came out. And I was like, oh. And then the sixth one came out. And I was like, oh. And then I read a lot of really terrible porn that I can never look at again. Ah, <laughs> uh, familiar. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> The end. <laughs> I mean, I think it's my. I feel like MK and I are probably like in the minority, and that like we don't have. Like, I, am I wrong, MK? Like, you and I just like are sort of like, eh, that happened about Harry Potter. Like, aside from like my anger, but like, it did not. It doesn't seem to own me the way that it has a lot of people. Right? Like, remember when? jk rowling said that she was writing some sort of sequel and like the entire internet like lost shit like all i felt was like nothingness all i could think when i saw that was like i think i've read really good fan fiction of the marauders and all i would want would be marauders but i don't trust her to do it as well as the internet has already done it and i just don't care that much it's uh i feel like harry potter is a lot of other people's sailor moon yeah, I feel like, you know what, that's actually a really good point. I feel like Harry Potter, to other people, is, like, what the X-Files is to me. Yeah. So, I can understand the passion. It's just sort of, like, 
It's one of those, it's like, you know, like water sports. Like I'm like into it if you and your partner and your bathroom and your tarp are into it, but like, I'm not personally into it and neither is my tarp and my bathroom. You know what I mean? You know what though? But I love Harry Potter AUs. Yeah. Because the universe was fun to live in, the right? Like the idea of it was fun. Yeah. It just happens that like, you know, I enjoyed Harry Potter up to a certain point. I saw all but the last movie. I read uh, all of the books. And I was just like, I enjoyed this. And now I'm going to put it away. <laughs> Whereas Kate and I dressed up to attend the Shit, like, yeah, we weekend release yeah. screening we of the last Harry Potter movie. <laughs> we cried so hard. We looked so good. I bought us real, like, Harry Potter licensed ties. At the which time I still have. Exhibit, which I still have. Of course I have. Yes, yes. Um, well, I mean, it's interesting. So case in point, today I ran into somebody I went to high school with and it was a smidge awkward. Um, but like one of the things we started talking about was like Harry Potter and it was kind of like no time had passed because I mean, like (laughs) this was, it was a contemporary topic to them. And additionally, it was just like, Oh, thank God, we're on safe ground now. It was like the equivalent of, like, there's a salt circle around us, the witches can't get in. Um, what? what? So, Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Oh, no, I I was too young. That movie scared me, and I left the theater. Are what? you? What? what? No comment. No comment. We can't discuss this. That'll make us angry. Just, we have to, like, watch Hocus Pocus three times, as opposed to our usual two. Nicely. Nicely, we will watch. Um, <laughs> But so, like, in, like, a lot of ways, it's, like, yeah, it's, like, a very common, and, like, some of it was that, like, I started reading the books, at, like, right at Harry's age. And so there was, like, a huge kinship, and there was, like, a, <laughs> I'm still sort of waiting for my wizard school letter. Like, it yep. used to be, like, wizard high school, and then I was, like, maybe wizard college. <laughs> what about wizard grad school? And now I'm, like, what about wizard continuing education? Like, <laughs> Like, it happened to me at, like, such a formative age that I'm still kind of waiting. No, um, I, I'm... I'm always I'm, be waiting. No, Wizard. absolutely. If I ever got, like, invited to, like, the wizard retirement community when I am, like, 65, I'll be like, yes, going. I've been waiting for this day my whole life. I've been training. <laughs> like, there was a post going on on Tumblr the other day that was like, don't worry, like, if you were born between, like, these years, the reason you didn't get your letter is because, like, during the first war, they destroyed, like, the Office of Muggleborn Registry, so it's okay. And, I, like, literally, I actually it makes just so much of, better. Oh, okay, that explains it. Like, there was, like, an actual moment where you're like, Kate, um, that I was like, good, there's a reason. Or, like, I have had whole discussions with people about how, like, Maybe because we would go to American wizard school, the letters should be delivered by bald eagles and they're endangered now. So they don't have as many of them to go around. And they just, you know, like mine was shot by poachers. Does that mean that in Canada these letters are delivered by like rabid beavers? Yes. Yes. One hundred percent. You didn't get me. Your dad probably shot it. Good. I would be the worst wizard. Let's be real. You would be you so would legitimately be the worst li- wizard. I would definitely be evil. I was already sorted into Slytherin. Like it's over. No, I feel like I 
feel like if nothing else, you would have gotten there and you would have been like, please don't be Slytherin because your sister would have already been in Slytherin. Oh <laughs> you know what? You're right. I would have been like any house but Slytherin. Anything. It would have been exactly like Harry Potter. You would have been like any house but Slytherin, any house but Slytherin. Okay, well, I still think I would be and evil what if no you matter are what Harry Potter? What if I'm <laughs> Harry Potter? What if you are actually Harry Potter? You have scars you haven't told us about. I do have scars I haven't told you about, but that's just because there's so many. <laughs> um, wow. So, interesting side product of us just trying to AU a world where Emily, where M is Harry Potter. Um, I feel like we should almost slip in a moment here about, like, Harry po- other Harry Potter fan works. Um, especially ones that are kind of more mass produced. Oh, I mean, like, yeah. Like, Blood and uh, Potter, and then there's yeah. a Harry Potter musical. There's like a lot of people who have kind of used Harry Potter as a jumping board, but it's in a kind of like norm accepted way. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, you're like looking at these people, and it's like the same people who are like laughing at fanfic, and you're like, dude, what the fuck do you think you just did? Like, you straight up wrote, like, your own, ah, you guys. It's like the same people who are like, ah, fan fiction. You're like, did you read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? Yeah, you did. Get out of my face. Um, (laughs) Good. Any asshole who dresses up for anything, I'm just like, you can't, like, you were wearing a cape. You were wearing a cape in a suburban mall. Like, whatever, like, hierarchy of, like, social coolness, I think fan fiction sits above wearing a cape at a suburban mall. But so, like, that's, like, the interesting thing is, like, I feel like there is, like, kind of, like, Harry Potter fan fiction especially has become so well-known, sort of, like, that it's out there that, like, in a weird way, like, it's become, like, a pop culture, like, joke. Yeah, but I feel like it's only in a bad way, right? Because I feel like the Harry Potter fan fiction that people know about is, A, like, Snape wife stuff or that one where Dumbledore fucks the sorting hat like those are the two that people are aware of god damn it I'd forgotten about that like there are so many kind of like Harry Potter influenced or straight up Harry Potter fan works that are out there kind of in like the public domain that are acceptable versus like fan fiction which is always deemed unacceptable yeah so that's just a something to chew on that being said Mare and I definitely did try to watch like all of a very Potter musical in her apartment and like had to take uh, a break to try to go walk to like Whole Foods to get to Foodie Cuties to like yep, yep. spur us on through that. that that was like also like at least at the time was not an easy viewing experience in terms of just no. like yeah. but the YouTube struggles 20 plus parts whatever uh, but we did it we did because that's like and that's like the kind of like freak devotion that we have in our souls for this yeah (laughs) and i don't know it's at the end of the day i love harry potter forever the end that's that's basically (laughs) congratulations thank you like one day mayor and i are gonna go on like a pilgrimage straight up pilgrimage to like harry potter world yes it's gonna be so bad it's oh, gonna I don't be, even know how bad it's going to be. I actually really <laughs> want to do like, that, and I can organize it. Yeah, I've already okay. said this a couple times before, but I just want to register it on the record. When you guys do that, I'm not coming. And, like, that we're not, like, mm. and, that's, 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 that's,
Yeah, right. She can come on the trip. She can just, like, stay and hang out by the pool or something while we're at Harry Potter. I will. <laughs> like, we would invite you to shit all over a good time. Like, that seems I would not. I would never do that. You know, like, as someone who has had my good time shat on before, like, I would never, ever do that. But I would also, like, never go because I wouldn't want to, like, there's going to be little kids who are, like, getting their wands and, like, looking at captured owls and things like that. And I just, like, don't want to ruin it for them. You literally just describe everything like we're excited about. Right. <laughs> we're gonna go get our wands. We're gonna look at owls. <laughs> if it makes me feel like Kristen Wiig in like that SNL skit, where, like she's the lady who can't hit, deal with surprises. We're like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna go to Ollivander. I don't know what's gonna happen. There's gonna be sparks and like you, losing it. You just sounded like you had the most uncomfortable orgasm ever. <laughs> That's what you are sound like. Watch out. Can we can we just move on to questions? <laughs> yes. Please. Let's, we'll take, we're at home to take questions. So, so ready to move on to questions. <laughs> First question from an Anon. I've always felt the house system was arbitrary and oppressive, but with it as our framework, which characters would you reassign to a different house if you could and why? Well, like, were we doing it for the vine or, like, for legitimate reasons? Apparently for legitimate, legitimate reasons. reasons. And then we can do it for the vine. Yeah. Um, um, personally, I would really love to see Hermione in Slytherin. Right? Oh, I think it would be fantastic. Yeah. I would like, love to watch her destroy everyone in Slytherin. She would I would love, like, the Mean me. Girls version of Hermione in Slytherin. That would be really good for me. <laughs> like, straight up running that, like, girls who run the world. Yes, bitches getting shit done. Good times. Like, you imagine, like, that girl with the right connections, she would ruin lives, and it would be beautiful. I would like to see Luna Lovegood in Hufflepuff, because that's basically the stoner house, and I think that she would basically <laughs> become their leader. That would be fantastic. I'm here for that as well. Um, actually, I feel like, I don't I know. I did in, like, reading a fic or something, where, like, one of the Weasleys gets sorted into a house other than Gryffindor, kind of see like because it's like kind of the reverse of that like serious black issue where it's like everyone in your family's been sorted in Slytherin and you went to Huffle and you like went to Gryffindor and like that same kind of thing where they're like that huge familial pressure like this would be terrible I would hate myself for like reading this and wanting to read it but like seeing like different aspects of like that Weasley kind of like feeling in a different house yeah. And it would obviously be Percy, let's be honest. Yeah, hands down, Percy so, would go into Slytherin or something. And, and, I, and I say that, and Percy's my boo, so, like, no no nag or judgment there, because I love Percy a lot. But, yeah, he, he, he probably, of his family, the least belongs in Gryffindor, I would say. All right, and then if you're doing it for the Vine... I was doing it for the Vine, Draco, Malfoy, and Hufflepuff. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing for the Vine. If that if that was happening, I would like reread the entire book series. <laughs> Good. All right. I don't know. I, I mean, I I will say like beyond that, I think that the comment about the house can be kind of oppressive. Is I feel like it is it is obviously like reductive by nature, and there's a lot of sort of I don't know outliers where Peter Pettigrew was a Gryffindor and clearly was a. I don't know, misguided at best human being who sold out all of his friends and did some terrible atrocities, you know, by association. And uh, so he doesn't really fit into the house that he was assigned to. And you have to wonder in which the ways in which all the Slytherins are probably not nearly as bad as 
Harry, in his own perspective, thinks that they are. Okay, but Uh, this is the thing where it's like, you can say that the house system is oppressive, blah, whatever, but... I don't say it's oppressive, I just think it's reductive. I don't know. Sure, whatever. But the point is that in the books, part of it is like, just because you're in Slytherin doesn't mean you're evil, just because you're in Gryffindor doesn't mean you're going to be a hero, and I kind of feel like people are taking the house thing way too seriously, because when I went to horseback camp, you got sorted into horse groups, right? Like, you're a quarter horse this summer, congratulations. It means nothing. It's fine. Just carry on the way you would normally. Can like just, something on fire. Can we go back for a second to discuss that thing? When we when I went to horse camp, yeah, we like, got sorted into horse houses? No, wow. like, so, you know, different, these ten girls are quarter horses these year, this year, and these ten are Clydesdales, and these ten are whatever. <laughs> What were your gibberish, gibberish, gibberish horses? (laughs) It's interesting though because I feel like that kind of concept of like the house sorting and like an arbiter, whether you decide it's arbitrary or like there's a hat that really knows your soul, bro, um, has led to a lot of interesting things too. At like predestination in young adult literature, and has led to things like Divergent, in my opinion. And so, Uh, I mean, like, I, I think there's like an interesting thing to be said about like how perceptions of things influence that. And, like, you know, I, like, in an interesting way, I kind of like to think, like, there's something to it, but, like, to completely let yourself be ruled by, like, well, you're in this house, so you must be, like, this other person I know from this house, I think is very... I mean, like, obviously, yeah, if you treat it that way, it's never gonna really kind of work for you, but I think, like, it's interesting, like, well, like, Neville Longbottom, like, everyone looked at him and they're like, what the shit are you doing in the courageous lion house? And then he chopped the fucking head off a snake. Like, bitch is courageous as hell. So, and, like, he has, and the actor who played him in the movie's got hella hot. Yeah, hot. It's like, you've been living under a rock, having Google Maps recently, <laughs> do it. You will no, appreciate you have to check. There was, like, this is, like, Topanga levels of puberty was good <laughs> It was like literally you won puberty. That's it. Like yeah, wasn't will ever win like, puberty. Him so and Danielle Fischel are like the most dramatic examples of like holy shit fuck. <laughs> I would also like to submit that like if you have ever dreamed of like an AU where Neville and Draco were friends and like did stupid idiot shit together, definitely take a look at um the Twitter account. Of Tom Felton. Oh my god. Them going so good. So amazing. So good. (laughs) So great. Okay, we're going on to the next question. Yes. Fine. M's had us. Go on. Miss Caddy, considering how sassy Book Harry was, having been raised by the Dursleys, proving that nature really does have a role in nature versus nurture, how do you think he would have been if he actually had been raised by a marauder such as James Sirius or Remus? I feel like three totally different, like, scenarios, too. Um, I mean, like, I think it's interesting because I feel like as much as we know, quote-unquote, about James, like, it's always very colored through the lens of, like, whoever's talking about him. So, like, I feel like I would actually be the least, feel like I was, like, the least qualified to assume what that would be like, especially since presumably then if James is alive, probably Lily is also alive. You don't know, you don't usually die. Well, Disney ruler, parents have to die for you to have adventures. Um, I mean, like, obviously, like, I always think about that Tumblr post where it's like, I heard you were talking shit about Severus Snape. Here's $10 in your bedtime is never. Like, that's what being raised by Sirius Black would be like. And I think, like, so much of it is dependent. Like, if you, like, there, it's kind of like you opened the box, man. Now, like, I'm going to go off. But, like, there are so many different, like, 
depending things on like in which situation and like how I don't know like it's I mean like obviously Harry growing up with any of those people would be very different in that like I'm sure Harry's like sense of self-worth would have been much better before he came to Hogwarts because somebody would have loved him um but like it's kind of like an interesting like there's like so many different scenarios like even just from, like, the idea of, like, well, if you were with Remus, are you with Remus, like, the indigent werewolf? Are you with Remus, like, and Serious? Are you with... Basically, <laughs> Kate is overthinking this question. Is, is the moral of the story. Would Harry but, be sassy? Probably. Well, I don't know. I, f- I feel like there's a lot of... There is something to be said, I think, for Harry growing up in a loving home, changing a lot about what makes Harry Potter Harry Potter. And him having the, like, requisite tragic, you know, orphan backstory and growing up in, like, awful circumstances with a bunch of people who don't love him at all um, is part of, like, his dumb hero narrative. And I don't know. I feel like it's it's hard to separate those two things. He would probably be less of a giant rage ball. I I think probably his, like, he he does seem to have sort of, like, this anti-authoritarian, like, sass to him where like people try to like step on him he's like well fuck you um that i feel like he maybe might not have had if he had a childhood where he was able to do things that he wanted to do where and like you know his authority figures like when you yes. don't respect your authority figures you don't respect any authority figures exactly like, so there's like there's just, it's so it's so many um yeah. <laughs> we could have yet another best part of literally there and i could talk about this for like ten thousand years now fantastic <laughs> We're doing and you're not question. even that interested in Harry. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Harry. I do enjoy Harry, but yeah. All right, next question. I, I do love Daniel Radcliffe. No, Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> else. The Harry Potter films brought us Daniel Radcliffe, and that's been a gift. The beauty and joy of joy. So, Sarah Lynn, um, if it's not too late, given Prue's feelings on Sirius and her thing about genderfuck, have you ever thought through a female Sirius or Remus? Or anyone else who might be really good for gender fucking? This is an interesting one because I actually did write Sirius with a vagina. Did you? Uh, yes, I did. But I wrote it in the midst of a much larger story. So once upon a time, like, you know, into the gray mists of the first age of the elves or whatever, I wrote a story called. <laughs> You Luthien fucking bastard. Go on. Wow. Congratulations. I'm not wearing my Thranduil crown as we record this, though, so that's, like, one point in my favor. Um, Is it? It is. You've got to take the win, right? You've got to take the win where it lives. So I wrote a story called Seven Things That Never Happened on Valentine's Day. Oh, shit, I love that story. You didn't know I wrote it? No, I do. I just (laughs) forgot about it. I was like, MK's been living this life where she's like, I wonder what bitch wrote that story. <laughs> so many questions. It yeah. happens a lot. Um, but I, there's a section in that story where basically the whole premise of that story is just that, like, Valentine's Day at Hogwarts is, like, a giant danger zone because the marauders are monsters and they always do something awful, like, unintentionally or intentionally on Valentine's Day. Um, in one year after having been pranked viciously by the Marauders for years, 
Snape gets them back by putting like a gender swap spell, like balancing it on the door of the Gryffindor boys' dorm room. And Sirius is the one who gets doused by it, so he has to like wear a vagina for a week or whatever until it goes away. And I, the funny thing about this is that I have not read. I don't actually go back and reread much of my stuff, especially not when it's like older, because I think that's where you get into wince territory. But I'd be curious to like check that one out because I feel like I wrote that when I was so young and my conception of like the ways the gender changes you and the ways the gender impacts your life and behavior are so like clearly high school, like so first number in my age is like a one, right? Like the the benchmarks that I used and like the things that I thought were like capital I important were so different. And I wonder whether or not like as a result, I, there's two ways you could read this, right? Like either that is a more authentic version of what like a teenage, like temporary gender swap would be, or like it was a tremendously awful one because I didn't have the perspective to write it correctly. I don't know. I haven't really gone back and like looked at my own writing critically in terms of if you were to gender swap, serious or remus like in a holistic like born female way i feel like the way that i feel about most things i feel like if remus had been born a woman like her life would be even worse than it already was it just it would have just been like his his life was already garbage um then like if he had been born a she it would have been like a flaming dumpster instead of just a regular dumpster (laughs) let's be real garbage for men is more like in the garbage compactor for women. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not re- I'm not even sure, like, the ways in which it would be more terrible, but I'm sure it would be more terrible. Sirius, on the <laughs> other hand, I think would be interesting, more interesting, right? Because I don't know enough, I don't know whether, like, the last two books ever got more into, like, the nature of the most noble and ancient House of Black, but I almost feel like had Sirius been, like, a girl, like, would it have been less terrible that he got sorted into Gryffindor? I don't know. Like, what, like, what happens? Shame of my flesh. Pardon? Shame of my flesh, no matter what. Okay, so, all right. So, basically, then, in that case, in both cases, their lives have been worse, which is really saying something, because one of them was a werewolf, and the other one was wrongly accused and sent to, like, (laughs) fucking Azkaban, and then died via curtain. So, like, really, I... This is, like, that's one of those stories where I always find um, interrogating a text through the lens of another gender interesting if it has interesting ramifications. But, like, for those two, I genuinely think that, like, it would just be more bleak and, like... So sad. Yeah, and, like, I don't have the strength for that. (laughs) So, I mean, like, it's not something that I would actually even be interested in reading, I think. Good. It would just be worse. That's all it would be. (laughs) Unspecified worse. If I were doing a gender AU, I would only want it to be happy. Yeah, same. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, like the happiest of gender AUs. <laughs> Just like gender sunshine AU. and flowers and like happiness. The gender AU where girl serious grabs hold of the curtain and is like, wait, fuck no, and pulls herself back. That's what I want. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> no, I want it even happier than that. Like, that is not happy enough. <laughs> I need excess of happiness. Okay, next question. Touche. Luminocta. Optica, sorry. Um, A long time ago, in a Canadian high school, one of my now best friends and I would wait until new chapters of the Cassie Clare fic, Draco Veritas, updated, and then stay inside at lunchtime and read them together on the same computer screen. 
Literally, we would read a page, wait for the other to finish, and say, okay, scroll down. Looking back, it was a terrible fit, but it brought us together. Thanks, Harry Potter fandom. Aww. I will say there's, like, one of the kind of, like, beautiful things about Harry Potter fic was, like, like, even the things that, like, objectively now you're like, oh, God, like, you know what? If you derive enjoyment from it, take it where you get it. Like, we all read it. We all enjoyed it, I think. And, like, you know what? We lived our lives. Way to go. <laughs> we've, all, to you. we've all read things yeah. we regretted and yet become closer with weirdos on the internet because of it. Absolutely. I don't know. I think I think that sort of experience definitely reminds me a lot of my high school experiences with Harry Potter fic and um, with like stories that my friends would mutually read or like we were the kind of people where we'd be in like the library looking at effort.net on the school library computers which like what were we doing why you know it's like, whatever. we did that now like no ways I did yeah. that in class yeah, yeah. Um, now everyone has smartphones so they don't have to do that anymore um, but you don't know how good you got it <laughs> Yeah. Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> like, I literally uh, used to have to email myself fic to read at work that I could read in my email. I was too scared to go to the websites because I worked yeah. for the government. <laughs> <laughs> 100% legit. Congratulations. Um, next question. Oh, okay, so we actually had two people who wanted... Rex lists, but we're just going to do Rex at the end rather than list Rex lists. So just pretend that that never happened. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, MK. I'm sorry. I'm rolling it's... through our Twitter feed here. Big Rocks Fall. Big Rocks Fall, everybody dies. Everybody dies. That's the origin of that, guys. If you didn't know, that's Yeah, gonna... it's from Harry Potter. That's true. Um, that's true. <laughs> Eva. Just worst headmaster or Voldemort in white hat? Read Dumbledore. Dumbledore, man, that, that's another topic we didn't talk about. Like uh, Dumbledore is just definitely like he starts off as like your wise old mentor, magic like dude in this like fantasy narrative, and then you realize I think while you're reading it, and then especially once you get older and have the you know. Um, like hindsight to look at you and you'll be like no 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 you were kind of fucked up you were <laughs> as an adult you're up. like you're a monster well and I feel like his character does fall prey to a lot of like maybe perhaps can be assigned to writing pitfalls where there are certain pieces of information that can't be revealed until later on in the narrative of whatever book you're talking about but there are things that Dumbledore knows and just doesn't for whatever reason tell Harry and at a certain point you're like come the fuck on man like at a certain point like, <laughs> like, feels like a patriarchy. you're like man you are crushing my nuts for no good reason <laughs> yeah I mean I definitely got frustrated from especially I think from like book five on where you're like why the fuck did you just tell him that like why doesn't people why don't people tell Harry relevant things to his life like, and it's partially because JK writing JK Rowling's writing but like he unfortunately bears the brunt of that I feel like it's sort of like the wise old like wizard character of this but like uh <laughs> like Joan Cusack and in and out like there wasn't oh any other time you could have told me this like it was kind of like there was like so many things like especially with like kids I feel like if you're straightforward 
and you sit them down and you explain things to them in like a measured and nuanced way rather than letting them like overhear things under an invisibility cloak or encouraging to go and like them to go into the death forest like I don't know there's just like a lot of like I feel like Dumbledore is like a very Machiavellian like ends meet the needs kind of guy like needs meet like you know what I mean like the end the ends justify the means and where like I'm like but this is also a child like under your guardianship and like that shit's not kosher like what are you doing so like I understand like he's a big picture guy that being said what a dick (laughs) yep yep and again I feel like some of it is not necessarily his quote-unquote fault it's like writing problems that unfortunately get shunted off on him but like by the time he dies uh, also being like the wise little like wizard mentor character of course he's gonna eat it somewhere in the series but like by the time he died in book six I literally was just sort of like okay (laughs) fine could it be sort of that Dumbledore is almost like a parable like not a parable something like something about how when you're young you look to authority figures and you invest them with like a certain sort of like power knowledge and like correctness that as you get older starts to really fall away well i know it's just a, <laughs> i don't think she no. intended that but that's true i mean okay. that, that is true but i i doubt that that was sort of like an intention that you're supposed to feel like when you're reading those books where you're like adults are valuable and they don't always tell you the truth like no and i don't think that was what was going on there <laughs> also he's secretly gay he's secretly gay you guys so like thanks queer community he was secretly gay and i never wrote it in but here's his bone he was actually gay okay jk Rowling. great thank you appreciated appreciated also, Me and my people are so really, happy really enjoyed how like he was secretly gay but the dude who like explicitly had the worm whatever no. <laughs> our, our obvious like our obvious candidate yeah well i also think it's interesting we talked to about how Harry, like, was very, like, anti-establishment and, like, didn't have a lot of respect for authority figures. Like, Dumbledore was the one person whom he never really questioned. He was like, well, I believe in you. I'm going to do all this stuff in your name. I'll, like, kind of, like, in blind faith. So, I mean, like, I think that is kind of, like, interesting. Cause, and I understand, I absolutely understand why. But, like, that he never kind of had, like, a critical interaction with Dumbledore was, like, I think very interesting and very telling of, like what he was kind of like looking for is like fundamentally like as much as like Harry's legacy is like the wizarding world like he's I would imagine in a lot of ways still considers himself an outsider having had no idea about any of his heritage until he was like 11 right so like it's like a weird dichotomy and like I think like Dumbledore is kind of like one of those things where he always trusted Dumbledore to tell him the truth and I think like that makes it like for me like that makes it fundamentally more fucked up that like I am like Harry's kind of like an immigrant kid. Yeah, and so like, sort of. I'm like you're kind of like taking advantage of the fact. Wait, it's like as the only immigrant kid actually on this. I know. Podcast, someone explain that to me. No, I just meant that like he basically is coming to a different place with a totally different culture and a set of rules and like things that he did not grow up like having, and he has to adjust to it. Okay, that it's part like, I will buy. I'm not quite yeah. sure about the Dumbledore bit, but. <laughs> I mean, like, there's, like, a whole, like, there's, like, a whole, it's, like, it's interesting to me because there's a whole kind of, like, part of his history that's really common knowledge amongst everyone else, kids, adults, like, everybody, and that he has no access to until somebody either accidentally tells him or, like, until Dumbledore tells him, basically. 
Yeah. So like, yeah. It's he's in a weirdly like the, the power differential in terms of like the knowledge that he's impressing right. and so, the ways in which he has to like he trusts him because of course he trusts him and why wouldn't he trust him? And but wait, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Just weird. Yeah, you know what? Also, I feel like um, another thing that we never talked about that I'm suddenly remembering um, is the epilogue of the last book, <laughs> which I feel like I know we should like circle back and stick this in later <laughs> because or earlier before we got the questions because it's so like I don't know. Age-inducing <laughs> for people like Prue who have never read the epilogue. Um, it's the devil. It's the worst. Go on. <laughs> But basically, it, it flash forwards. Um, how many years later? Twenty years later? I don't even know. At least no, like basically fifteen. Yeah, where Harry is now grown up and sending his kid uh, off to Hogwarts for the first time. <gasps> Which you think actually, like on its bare, like on the face of it, like that particular setup is not like terrible yeah. you know like it's it's coming full circle it's bringing you back to the beginning of like the first book and like yeah, the world is continuing like yes. carrie's kid is going off and like hogwarts and like the journey is starting all over again and he's like older and he's like grown up and has his own family that he never had when he was a kid and like like on the surface of it this doesn't actually seem like a bad way to end the books except that on execution it is like garbage and like also in addition to being garbage like literally what nobody wanted in a way that's like so like profoundly terrible (laughs) that i can't even i mean it was like it was was so awful it's the quintessential thing where like she was i think in it she's admitted that she basically like knew about the epilogue and that's sort of what she was writing to ultimately and it definitely shows that this was sort of like a very early idea of what she thought this was all going to end like and um, I don't know. The epilogue. It's so schmaltzy. Why did all of them marry their childhood, high school girlfriends and boyfriends? Ugh. Uh, it just, like, I, the, the thing that kind of, like, made it the ultimate worst for me was kind of, like, it just put, like, a cap on things. Like, even if you wanted to write future fic where you're like, okay, so now I've got this set of seven books worth of, like, struggles, but I can work with that. Like, it kind of, like, added, like, an extra hurdle like if right. you if you like even so had you're just fuck with canon extra yeah. hard to actually get some like feature fake that didn't like i don't know it just like jo- it was like one last jostling seemingly yeah. for the sake of it <laughs> yeah anyway that's all i have to say but epilogue bite me forever nobody wanted you maybe they're you know what that's not fair somebody probably really loved it but <laughs> i did not complains <laughs> about that <laughs> No. People have you like, ever met like, anyone who was like, I really love the epilogue? Have you ever met a person who I've met people who were satisfied with it, and then I was dissatisfied with their existence. It's <laughs> like that was that was like that more so than like any sorting hat kind of adventures. I was like, Oh, you enjoyed you didn't have a problem with the epilogue? That's fine. Right, you out of well, it's, it's also so like kind of like schmaltzy and like again, I think like the last sentence is all as well. And you're like after like the like the, the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fucking unedited pages of misery has preceded it and you're like but everything was fine now la 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 the end and you're like well that was a thing that just happened to me (laughs) it boils down to the fact that when we started reading these books we were younger and as a result of these books we started thinking more critically reading more critically seeking out more 
things to critically read. And by the end of it, we were still reading the same quality of writing with much less quality editing. And uh, we found it wanting. Yeah. Which is, which is, yeah, that's, that's true. That's life. It's terrible. (laughs) We have to, we have to end this. We have to end this. My will to live is draining away. So you guys, it's time for rest. I will say. Why don't you start us off with your recommendations first then? Um, okay. I am wrecking a trio fic because, um, Harry, Ron, Hermione, OT3 are my favorite OT3 of the fandom. And there's a fic called Bed and Board by Resident. Um, that is, it's pretty, it's only like 8,000 words, pretty short. Um, and it's basically after the war, it's like a, it was written between four and five in its future fic after the war where Harry trying to sort of figure out where he belongs in the world. And then ultimately the three of them get together which is not really a spoiler. Um, and Resident is just like a really great author who I've loved in many fandoms. And this is just sort of one of my favorite trio fics that uh, I discovered when I was reading a lot of that back in the day. And it's awesome. And I'm also going to wreck a fic called Lestover Pendle by A.J. Hall, which is this really... Um, weird fandom classic that's a Draco Neville fic, which is sort of a rare pair, but like, I don't know, this story was pretty famous at the time, and um, it's basically, again, more like post-war fic written before the books were finished, and... I don't know. It's described as being a comedy of manners set in like sort of golden age detective thriller genre. So it has a lot of kind of like fun things going on there. And if you enjoy either one of those characters and like, you know, I enjoy Draco and Neville a lot, um, especially as fandom does them. Um, like Draco is like, you know, the, the bitchy queen. Um, it's just like really fabulous, even if he's not really found in the books that much. Um, it's great. And it's kind of long, but super worth the read. A really nice sort of like long fic. Um, yeah. And let's see. I think my last rec is going to be a fic that I'm going to link people um, in its current fanfiction.net existence because I feel like that just sort of contributes to the reading experience of it because that was where I read it. And um, you can see all of the like words and reviews and you know chapters and stuff and like updates and things because I don't know it's just kind of part of the experience and I love it a lot and um, it's around Draco fic by Mama Laz and basically the setup is that Draco kind of turns away from his father and the Dark Lord and is basically hiding out at Hogwarts and he and Ron predictably do not get along at all and Ron knows that he's there and has to kind of look out for him, and they kind of basically, like, banter and bicker their way through. Um, I'm looking at it now, and it's, like, 114,000 words, which, amazing. Um, and it was just really lovely and fun and extremely funny, and uh, her mama Les has, like, just sort of has always had, like, a really great grasp of both characters' voices and making them really just sort of endearing and hilarious at the same time. So very kind of, like, bickery rom com and fun. So those are my three. Excellent. Uh, Kate? Um, I'm going to go really old. These are kind of like two classics of the canon. And 
you know, one of those things where it was kind of like almost not required reading, but it was definitely one of those things where it was kind of very, both were very universal fix. And uh, the first one I'm going to wreck is the Shoebox Project. Yay! Um, which, uh, as the title might imply, it was a widespread multimedia project revolving around the Marauder era. Um, to be honest, I actually don't know if it ever it finished? finished, per se. But um, it is in modern existence and in EPUB and Mobi and PDF versions. So congratulations, modern internet. You have it a lot easier than the rest of us did. Um, and it was just like kind of one of those wide-ranging things. And it was very a very good example of how people made their own versions of these characters and how they were very distinct, in my opinion, from others. And the other one I'm going to wreck is Stealing Harry by Copper Badge. What? That's one of my wrecks. Well, then you should have tried to go first. I could. Um, you bitches. She emailed it. She did email it. <laughs> I emailed it an hour ago. Okay. We were recording an hour ago. No one was checking their email. I was. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> fine. So we'll save that for MK. That's fine. That's fine. Um, and instead, I will say that um, Mayor's Oliver Percy slash Vic is still there on her face. <laughs> do not. Do not. I'm, do not, I'm not saying anything more. But if you want to find it, it's Don't read it. found- It's garbage. Please help. I hate you. <laughs> 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 when we started this, it was like, when I, like, if you, if you look back at the beginning of this recording, I was like, oh, I know what I want to wreck. That's what I was thinking of. But true life, it brought us together. I love you. I'll just go ahead and admit up front, I have no Rex. So I'm going to toss this to uh, MK. Oh, well, then in that case, I'm going to add that they should definitely read that, like, seven days, Valentine's, whatever business that you wrote. Because I fucking (laughs) love that story. (laughs) That's Prue's wreck on behalf of her. I, yeah, I can't wreck myself. That's why I'm doing it on your behalf. <laughs> oh my god. I don't, that's not how behalfing works. It is now. I also, that's not even the title. Alright, <laughs> never mind. It's fine. Um, obviously, like Kate, I'm gonna recommend Stealing Harry by Sam Vines, which is like exactly what I wanted, which is just like Remus and Sirius alive and not in prison or like on the run or anything raising Harry instead of the Dursleys and obviously falling in love. And it's a delight up into, yeah, for like a lot of chapters. It's really long. And there's no indigent werewolf or which I know is what we're all just hoping for for Remus. Thanks. And the other one I would like to wreck is a Harry Potter AU called Delicate in Every Way But One by Callan Navangari. Your username is too long. It's fine. <laughs> um... Mm, rude. What? <laughs> it's really hard to read. Okay, you had problems with like the short ones we were getting asks for. I have a lot of trouble with usernames. Um, she's face blind. Very <laughs> low. Applies to usernames. Read the letters. There's no excuses. <laughs> Congratulations. Now I lost track. You guys are the worst. <laughs> it's not my fault. You can't read. I hate you. Anyways, it's a Teen Wolf, Harry Potter AU. I like it a lot. Just just read it. It's great. It's Derek Styles the end. Oh my god. Is it allowed to count 
as a Harry Potter wreck if it's a Teen Wolf Harry Potter. I asked that on email earlier, and she said that it did. Yeah, I, I judged her in writing previous. <laughs> no, okay, it counts. You can do whatever you want. Well, if you personally cool. want to wreck a Teen Wolf Harry Potter, you wouldn't have counted. You could do whatever you want. It's fucking a wizard universe. You know what? Sweet baby starfishes, go out and find the Harry Potter AU of your own heart that lives in your fandom now. And enjoy it. Yeah, like, so you have, like, some kind of weird X-Files Harry Potter AU? No. Is Mulder a Hufflepuff? What? No. Mulder is definitely a Slytherin. Also, wizards don't exist in the X-Files universe. Can you imagine wizards and aliens? I feel like sci-fi and fantasy just like smashing together. Wait, Mm, wait, I just figured it out. Mulder is Luna Lovegood. (laughs) I was just not. Luna is like way more together than he is. Yes, she is. But in his dreams. But like seriously, I feel like somebody pointed out the best when they're like, "Yeah, you guys go to fucking wizard school, and you think this girl is out there? Like, guys, come on." Much. Well, I mean, wizarding like fashion is absurd, so <laughs> it's hard to like draw the line between like this is weird wizard fashion and this is like these robes are normal. <laughs> like, <laughs> dress robes. Oh man, so many attempted illustrations of dress robes. I mean, like the the number of unanswered questions about like the Harry Potter universe is like endless, right? It's like fucking endless. Like, how do any like? Do any of these kids know how to, like, do math? Like, I don't know. They don't always have to real math. Arithmancy is kind of like wizard calculus. Yeah, but he never actually explained what it is. And, like, if you're in regular school at age 10 to go study arithmancy, what you have equipped, what, you know, your primary school education has equipped you with is, like, long division is the most advanced form of math that you currently have at your disposal. I mean, like... True. That's all the math I use. Okay. You use long division? No, no way it's long division. Nobody but, uses long division. If you can access the calculator on your phone, you're fine. You don't need to count. I mean, I've had to do long division because I've had to teach long division. But yeah, that's like a, again, those are the only circumstances under which you would use it. The point is that they're like the Harry Potter universe is wide and filled with mysteries. And frankly speaking, we probably could. And maybe we'll do further episodes on more focused topics in the future. But um, final thoughts from all four of us so that we can, like, finally, finally, finally end this. Oh, thank God. Do you want to do your final thought first? Sure. If anyone has seen that Tumblr post where they were like, I always thought that when they said that only, whatever, either Harry or what's-his-face could die by uh, Voldemort's hand and vice versa... That if they killed Voldemort, they would have to live forever, and that would be their, like, eternal punishment. That's what I thought when I was reading the books, and I was really disappointed that that wasn't the ending, and that a bunch of other bullshit happened. The end. Good job. (laughs) Okay, Mare? Um, I don't know. Harry Potter for life. (laughs) I I don't have any more complex thoughts other than that. I used to think you were cool. What? (laughs) Why? What a mistake. Two. When did you think that was cool? Yeah, right. Like briefly after I met you the first time. Uh, okay. <laughs> what you've met. Um, Anyways, Kate. Basically, when I hear a noise in the night, I have two thoughts: ghosts or my owl is finally come. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
you know what I will also say? I actually do have a final thought. Let me interrupt Kate in order to actually deliver it Good a minute later that I should have. Um, I will never, ever get tired of the Tumblr post about uh, Harry naming his kid after the two bravest men he's ever met on the Severus, which is literally the worst in another part of the, the epilogue that's, like, garbage. And um, I will never get tired of, like, the Tumblr posts that make fun of it. And um, please keep them coming. They give me life. Thank you, I, Internet. Goodbye. The two bravest men I've ever met, Neve Max. <laughs> They're all so good. No, I also have the throwaway line. They're hiring. Except for that skull fucking thing. That's oh. the world story. Thanks, Internet, for everything except for the skull fucking. Exactly. And the hat fucking. Mm. And that thing about the giant squid. Uh, Just because it stays still long enough to be in the book doesn't mean someone has to put their penis in it, fandom. It's like you've never been well. through. <laughs> I guess that's my closing thought on Harry Potter. <laughs> Stop trying to have sex with everything at the school grounds. I feel like somewhere Jack Harkness was just like, challenge accepted. <laughs> Can you imagine? That'd be brilliant. <laughs> Jack Harkness at wizard school. He's fucked everything. We have it's to like end Lord this. Life kind of like we have to end this. This has to stop. You guys can have this conversation. All right, goodbye. Later. Everyone for listening to our Harry Potter episode. Um, Sorry. Find us on Twitter at Slash Report, and uh, we will catch you on the flip side. Bye, guys. Bye.